probably it's important something works on product hunt but i think that's action right okay just just get it out there and uh get feedback and iterate Alrighty then, uh, this episode is sponsored by George Chu. What is up, you sexy bastards? It is your boy, Mr. Purple Flower, aka Rabbi Can't Lose, aka Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to Navav Kieson, CEO and co-founder of Riverside.fm. Riverside is an insanely fast-growing software product that you can do your podcast and video recording. It is used by some amazing celebrities, including Bill Gates, Michelle Obama, Gary Vee, and yours truly. I really like Nadav. He grew up in a Jewish culture, went to a Jewish school, and decided that he wanted to start his own business one day. This episode was recorded while I was visiting Israel for a week. And it took him and his brother six to seven years trying so many different projects, failing until they finally got Riverside.fm to work. Go check it out, Riverside.fm. If you ever wanted to learn more about Jewish entrepreneurship and motivation and not giving up, you're going to love this episode. In this conversation, here's three gigantic things you're going to take away. Numero uno, the underrated advantage of having hardworking parents or changing your parents. Two, how to get traction and momentum early on, even when you have hard times. And three, common traits that Nadav sees in Israeli entrepreneurs that we can all learn from. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. This interview is actually part of an upcoming YouTube video about Jewish entrepreneurs. You can subscribe and check it out at youtube.com slash okdork. Also, if you're looking to start or grow an online business, you need great software at great prices. Sign up for the newsletter of appsuma.com slash Noah to find out about the latest and greatest tools at Insane Deals. It's kind of like a Groupon for geeks. I helped build it 12 years ago. Go check it out. Absuba.com slash Noah. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener Alex Benayan. He left a review saying, incredible. I love this podcast. Actionable, useful, and fun. Five stars. I love you, Alex. Good to see your name. Hope every other one of you gorgeous listeners is doing amazing as well. And if you want to shout out in a future episode, leave a review if you're ever checking out this podcast. We've been doing them for years. I love to call out each and every one of you amazing people anything like that. How do you think Judaism and Jewish culture shaped your your career being an entrepreneur? Subconsciously, probably a lot. Consciously, hard to say, but subconsciously, look, uh, I always had an inner drive. Like, we need to make it work. Let's go. And I think it's, even if you look at Israel, where we're now, right, it's very strange to see Israel flourishing so much, considering all the, the environment. It's hot here. The internet is shit. People don't speak as good English. Uh, the time zone is different. I think there is definitely some element to uh, why this is so successful. I think it's like no excuses. Make it happen. Make it work. Despite of all those uh, things that are, can be uh, hold you back, basically. What was uh, your Jewish upbringing like? I went to Jewish school and uh, it was traditional. Not so much religious, traditional and Look, my grandpa uh, lost his entire side of the family uh, in the Holocaust. But for me, Judaism is very much more, very positive. So it's not so much Holocaust or anti-Semitism. No, it's like a positive thing. And I think that's also important. Like, of course, we can speak about anti-Semitism. But for me, it's a much more positive thing. Uh, family, eating good foods, being successful uh, at work. Uh, yeah. What do your parents do? My dad's a professor. My mom is a psychologist. It's just like blows my mind because like Jews, like... My stepfather's an engineer. My father started a company. My mom's a nurse. Like, there's something culturally where it's also encouraging, like, hey, work hard and find a, a, a good career. It's, like, very big in the culture. Right. I don't, I don't think there's anything I can point in my life. Okay, that was something. I think my parents definitely were on top of me making sure I did well at school and, uh, and, and whatever you do, go all in. Whether that's because I'm Jewish, not sure. Uh, but I think seeing your parents working hard definitely is inspiring and... Uh, 
Yeah. I think that's un- really underrated. Cause my, I, I asked my mom, I was like, I don't know what if she's, cause she said same thing, like, go, go to school, get good grades. You got to work hard, but it was never more than that. But it's really, she works hard. Right. Like she's always cleaning for hours, you know, right, and she right. was always working and all these things. No, for sure. I still want her up to do this. My parents have four children and like, they are both working full time. My mom's psychologist, my dad's professor at the university. Like, how the heck were they doing it? I also wonder that even now I sometimes think about it. Can you share your, your startup story? Can you share your Riverside story in like one minute? So me and my brother, uh, Gideon, we're always working on a mission driven company, actually an online debating platform where politicians would come online and debate with each other. In the Netherlands, we had quite some traction, but never any clear business model. So then we made a pivot and with the idea of like, let's bring this to podcasting. So we launched that, uh, March 2020, like two weeks before COVID hit which was perfect timing for us. Uh, we launched basically a platform where people could record remotely high quality video and audio. And we were the first in the world to do that for video in the browser. And we really instantly saw basically uh, after all those years not succeeding, we saw instant uh, like traction. So like, well, what's going on here? And ever since we've been growing very fast. And uh, so Riverside is basically a platform to create high quality video and audio in the browser. So think about podcasts, videos, interviews. Well, so who are like some public people that use it yeah no we have uh, some really cool names using riverside uh, like our 10th customers was hillary clinton so hillary clinton a bunch of other celebrities and yeah literally uh kim kardashian uh, disney apple google um uh, michelle obama uh, gary v tim cook so how many other businesses or things did you try before this worked a lot and some was not even of worthy but like uh, we had this project before the debating platform was something that also had kind of traction was, uh, funnily enough, uh, a website where people could rate the best hummus joints in Tel Aviv. So people would come on our platform and say, this is the best place, this is place sucks, only for hummus. <laughs> or as you Americans say, hummus. Hummus, hummus, they got it. <laughs> so uh, that was like one project that uh, took off. Uh, what was that called? Hummuslife.co. <laughs> <laughs> is that still on? I think it is. Okay, yeah, I'll check it out it afterwards. Yeah. Hummuslive.co. Yeah. You tried a bunch of different projects until Riverside just was... Yeah, we tried even during high school. We were always like uh, being uh, entrepreneurial, uh, trying different projects, so we, website design, uh, just less fancy stuff. But yeah, a lot of stuff we were always trying to do. Yeah. What did you learn about what finally makes something work? Right, Like you tried all these things and this one's like clearly different. Mm. Like what can others learn from that? When you look at startups, a lot of startups say you need to really look in the market and, and see if you can find a problem. For us, it was always driven by curiosity. We would just ship whatever we thought could be cool. And, and then we, we stunned about, about on the big problem. So we shifted a bit towards the problem. But just starting small, don't even really think uh, where this is going to go. Just start small and keep iterating. I think that's definitely what has helped us. Yeah. Is I guess you were just still, you're like, I always think of as reps. Yeah. Right. Like you guys were like playing the game. You're like, all right, we'll try the homeless. All right. We'll try the debate. All right. It's leading you to somewhere. It's like in hindsight, right? Now I can easily say that's what led us to this. But when you're there or even right now, it's not so clear that that's going to lead to this. But, but again, then we were really intrinsically motivated. Money. Yeah. That would be cool. But like I really remember when we launched Riverside, I thought to myself, well, if I can just make $2,000 a month, on this and my brother as well like that would be amazing like i can just work on riverside and don't need to work for a bus so that was like the big goal it's like okay if we can reach that it'll be cool just 
Yeah. How quickly did you reach that? No, fast. I think in two months we were like at, uh, one, from the moment we launched, two, three months we were like at 10,000 MR. How do you think living in, in Netherlands and living in Israel shaped you as an entrepreneur? It's an interesting question because now I moved to Israel so I can compare a bit. I think the, the interesting part about Israel is that smart people in Israel, they go to startups. Smart people in the Netherlands go to corporates which is an interesting comparison. Uh, so like in the Netherlands, people go to KPMG, they go to finance, but here the, like the, the brilliant people go to startups. How Israel and the Netherlands shaped me? I think the Netherlands shaped me, uh, well, I always had that, I always had that fallback maybe. That's like, I even had the freedom to even think about ideas and because I like, yeah, I had a good upbringing. Like I could think about, uh, explore different things. So that definitely helped me, right? I think in Israel, um, Look, I've been here for one year, so how it has shaped me is hard to say. I think it's super inspiring to see all the startups succeed here, despite of all the uh, things that could hold them back. I think that's just very inspirational. Yeah. How different do you think Riverside would be if you were running it from America? Yeah, we actually had to consciously think when we set up Riverside, are we gonna, where are we going to do it? So are we going to keep it in the Netherlands, keep it in Israel, maybe do it in America? Because I also have an American citizenship, so I could have done it there, or passport. Um America probably will be corporate. <laughs> no, I, I, I think we'll probably much more processes, more writing down. In Israel, it's like keep going, keep going, keep going, quickly, quickly iterate and, um, and see what happens basically. In America, hard to say. I never really, really started anything in America, but from what I've seen, it's much more strategy high, process high oriented. And I think here it's just more, okay, chaos, but, Get it out there quickly. Iterate. Is that what you're observing in Israeli culture? That it's just like, all right, just keep, just like, get things going. Or yeah, yeah, observing? for sure, for sure. I think people, uh, it's just very much a go-getting mentality, uh, for sure. Yeah. Why do you think Judaism in Israel creates so many entrepreneurs? Like, what about it? I think historically, like Jews couldn't be part of the guilds in Europe, so they had to think about their own businesses. So that has created a lot of businesses. So. They always couldn't be part of society, so they had to think for themselves, what are they going to do? And in Israel, yeah, it's also very much like, uh, like make the most out of life, for sure. I think people are trying to be more present here, for sure. Tell me more about that. Yeah, okay, so two weeks ago, we had the, the sirens here, or the bomb sirens. Uh, and uh, that definitely makes you think, okay, look, just... We'll see what happens. You forget what happens in the future. Just focus on what's going on right now. Make sure you're doing well right now. It definitely like, uh, gives perspective on life. Look, it's not as much like Jews everywhere have that perspective, but I think in Israel, that's, that plays a role. I mean, that is kind of wild. Like, think about most companies. It's like, you're not thinking like, oh, hey, that's a bomb sound. Like, I can get bombed while I'm working at my right. job. Like, that definitely yeah. puts things in perspective. It's not like I'm consciously thinking about that every day, right? It's just... Uh, or something okay that happened and the moment after it's done people go get back to business and work but i know also from speaking to a lot of israelis they try to be just present and not think too much about war or about yeah just focus on what's now how have you had to adjust to israeli culture because I, I wonder is this how you would have talked in the netherlands yeah, yeah yeah uh well i am already quite direct inherently already always so and, and as i said dutch people are pretty direct and i'm from the netherlands so not so much adjustment Israelis can yell, but swearing is on a different level. Like, if you see people yelling to each other, loud yelling, it's okay. But, like, swearing is not as good. I think that's interesting. Yeah. What else do you think? There's so many uh, entrepreneurs created from Judaism or Israel. Look, in Israel, 
it's objectively also the army plays a big role. A lot of skills are learned during the army. A lot of these skills, they bring them to the startup world. Yeah, so it's like chaos, lack of information, but still need to be decisive. Yeah, I think there, uh, there are a lot of things that, that they take away from there. Even just being able to, they get to use to work with the, the newest technologies in the world. So then bringing that to startup. Yeah, there's a lot of these kind of startups as well. How long has your brother been here? Five years. Have you noticed the difference between how you and him behave now because he's been here longer? Uh, hard to say. Look, they were different, my brother and I, right? So it's. Well, I was curious how he's changed. Right, right. My brother probably feels more like, can feel, be more himself here, be more religious, feel like he's part of a society here, yeah. Feel more at home, probably. I was thinking about that during lunch where the other Nadav and his Tevi are wearing uh, kippas. Mm. And I was like, Man, if this is in America and these guys were wearing it or Nadav wears the more orthodox uh, suit, it's like definitely in America they get stared at. Right. And it's a little bit like, oh, they're wearing the thing. What's the, what is that thing called? I think they're Jewish. Right. And, but here it's like, it's not like even thought of. No, it's I, not a topic. Yeah. yeah. And I guess what I was thinking as you were, as you mentioned it, what it, what it triggered for me in a positive way is like for everyone to find the place they feel the most like accepted. Right. Right. Like yeah, it, yeah. maybe it's in a city, maybe it's in a community, maybe whatever country or city that's sure. in, like find that place. Right. Yeah. What advice do you have for someone who wants to start a business like yours or who wants to create a, a company that's able to succeed? Yeah, I think like the most important thing is buy a search action. You can read all books all day you want, but uh, that's not going to make you succeed. And even now reading a lot of books I've read before only now makes sense now that I'm going through that process myself. Getting in, into action, of course, have a vision where you want this to go, but you don't even need to have that big vision from day one. Just enjoy the process and then things will evolve. And you cannot even know in advance how things will evolve. What are some examples of how you've taken action where you think other people might read the book or watch the video or, or sit around? Well, first of all, building the product. I think like we didn't know in advance where this was going, but we just built it out of curiosity something and thinking this was cool. Did we do like crazy research analysis? No, we didn't. We just built the product out of curiosity and then kept iterating, I think. And then we moved to Riverside. I reached out to a bunch of people. You can also just think now we need a sales team. No, I just reached out to people, went to two communities, saw if they responded well to it or not. Literally just Googled like, okay, the, what is the, the CEO of any big company and emailed to CEOs. I think having the attitude to no, we can make it happen is definitely what helped us. How long did it take to come up, like from idea to having the site live? Yeah, well, we had that debate platform for like four years. So that was, we definitely changed the whole technology. I think it took us like four months to make the, the change ultimately from the debate platform to Riverside, three months maybe. And uh, it was still very nimble. I mean, we didn't even have a paying system. So that's action, right? We literally didn't have a, a, a payment system. First person scammed us. I was so happy finally I had this person who bought for the first time ever in our career or history, who bought something from us on the internet. I remember very well. And she scammed us. She was going to pay us through PayPal. So it was a big letdown. Like I thought, ah, we have this person now. But my point is like, I could have think, uh, thought like, okay, of course there's a chance that people will scam us and not PayPal me the money. And it happened actually, but it doesn't matter. Like we just thought, okay, the payment system will come later. On the day we launched on Product Hunt, our payment system was also not working. Uh, we, we, we learned later. Probably it's important something works on Product Hunt, but I think that's action, right? Okay, just 
just get it out there and uh, get feedback and iterate. What's the difference? Because I think a common thing that people do is they work very long, like four years, like on the debate platform. Like, how much traction did you get? No, it was very up and down. So we would have like the big politician. We had a lot of traction, and then the whole week nothing. Like or whole month nothing. We had to like had to find another politician wanted to debate. So I, yeah, it's a good question. Like, how do I keep myself motivated during that time? I think I'm motivated, and I think the other the follow on question is. I think people spend too long on things that aren't working. Right. And so That's what, true, what yeah. does it feel like? And how do you know when you found something that does work? Well, right? once you do, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. If you ask the question, know. you don't have it. I know, but yeah. I, I want them to, to get that. Because I think a lot of people spend five years. No, it's true. Actually, even when Riverside launched, we were still doubting. Hey, is it working or not working? Because we had like one payment, two payments, and COVID hit. So we thought, oh my God, we have a huge opportunity for remote something. So we thought maybe we need to transition this to a remote class. Zoom was not as big, so maybe remote class instead of Riverside. But then we luckily stick to what we, what we thought. Okay, no, something is working here. Once we shut down the debate platform, no one ever asked me where it was. I think so. Probably I said we stayed for a bit too long. I think if people like reach out to you and ask how things are going, and you see some momentum on Twitter or wherever, it's a good sign. If it's all in your head and you keep thinking, no, the next thing will probably get us momentum it will uh it will probably not it's not there the best sign is any paying user i would say thinking about it now if you have one paying user something is happening there and then maybe you can scale that to 100 paying users and you actually have a business you can live off now that the internet is so big probably that's the best sign because if you have non-paying users still doesn't really mean anything how many years from college to riverside six years seven years what kept me going yeah yeah, it was really my dream. And, uh, I think it also motivated me just, we did have some usage. So I think that in itself, I really did believe in the product. I thought, no, this is freaking cool. The debate platform, even now, probably people think like, how can you ever think it was cool? But I thought it was amazing. So I think that kept me going and, uh, getting that response from people, having those big politicians on a platform. Like if you have a platform you built, you have no, uh, zero traction. It's very hard to keep motivated. So I also really believe even if you have a business that might start not appear so uh, sexy or whatever or appealing to build, once you have traction, the whole game changes. I think you can get a lot of motivation from traction. Yeah, because I, I guess I was visualizing like, what if you gave up right before you transitioned to Riverside? Like we would have never met. I think there's like an interesting moment where it's like, okay, you could have done that and you know maybe it would have been another great path. Right. It's interesting that you're like, no, keep going. And eventually it led you. Right. And, and then I wonder how many other people could be sitting in the chair, sitting in the chair if they just stuck with, uh, and then, you know, found the thing that people were like, oh my God, yes, this is it. Right. Yeah. Again, I was intrinsically motivated by the fact that I just thought it was cool and I want to see how people respond to it. So we had this one feature, it was like a call-in feature, already the debate platform. So we bring people at home and have them debate with the politicians. So let's say we were debating about, about farm industry, we'll bring like a farmer and have them directly debate the politician. So then I thought, okay, we need to bring that, that feature to podcasting. A bit like Clubhouse did. I'm not saying by any means we're Clubhouse, but uh, I just thought we really need to bring that to the podcasting world. Did it work? No, the, the quality thing worked. <laughs> <laughs> so no, that's interesting, right? I, that wasn't at the, at the end, not the thing that really made us grow so fast. It was the high quality recordings in the browser. How is it engaging with Hillary? It's interesting because most people are begging you know people with influence or celebrities to get the platform and she wanted to use it yeah how did you know how she found it so other people can, can no that was the interesting part like before i was begging politicians to come on on our debate platform and then 
when we launched Riverside, people were paying to use uh, our platform. That was really interesting development. How did you, yeah, word of mouth. Um, like, again, we were and still are like one of the few platforms out there that are recording audio and video very in high, very high quality in the browser. So it's led to a lot of uh, crazy names recording with Riverside. How do you think other people can learn from your marketing? I started with a lot of direct outreach. I think people don't speak about direct out, outreach enough. So once you get the ball rolling, okay, you, you cannot continue doing direct outreach forever. But in the beginning, I would literally just email a bunch of people and I would say like, hey, I'm CEO here. I would love to personally give you a demo. Like they would feel special. That has helped us in the beginning, get to the few first few hundred customers maybe to get the first uh, flywheel going. And then, of course, the traditional marketing is what everyone is doing. Yeah. What do you notice about other successful Israeli CEOs? You know, any commonalities about them versus not cr- judging other ones, but what do you notice about them? The funny thing is if you speak to Israelis, you think sometimes because they're not as native, their English is not as good as Americans, obviously. So you think, ah, based off their communication, you might think, uh, like, how smart are they? Like, it's just an assumption people have. But I think Israelis are super sharp, uh, despite their communication skills. Very, again, to the point, zero, not so much uh, patience for bullshit. And um, there's a chip on our shoulder, so we want to make it work. This is the second time I've heard underdogs or chip on shoulders and things like that. I think so, yeah. I think definitely if you like, uh, if those Americans can do it, we can also do it. <laughs> what do you notice about your, the employees you have in Israel versus other places? The kind of people we hire, actually, it's interesting. There's quite a lot of similarities between the people we hire in Israel and people we hire abroad. I would say the, the biggest difference culturally is probably not be so surprised by by ups and downs and chaos. I think here they are, Israelis are probably more used to that. The adversity or like... Yeah, trust the process. You know, if there's some chaos in the company, trust the process. I think people outside the other employees, you need to be a bit more, uh, tell them, explain a bit more where we're going, why we're doing it. I think people in Israel understand, okay, this is part of the process. Sometimes it's painful what happens, but we're here. <laughs> coddling is too much of a word, like too much in America. Uh, not coddling, but no. uh, give, them, give them more context. In America. In America, but also in Europe. Like, whoa, someone is let go or something like that. You need to explain, understandably, right? If someone is let go, like you need to explain what, why you made yeah. what happened there. And I think in Israel, okay. Part of the process. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds nice. Yeah, there's there's trade-offs to all of it. Oh, 100%. Look, uh, I think now we're speaking about the good things, but uh, Americans, uh, like we're speaking about communication, that can also be a great thing, right? You know where you stand. It's very clear where you're going. I love working with Americans. Is it also most people in Israel work six days? No, we work five days. What I see, five days a week, yeah. Yeah, because I thought some just work don't work the Sabbath, and then they'll work like the rest of the week. No, they don't work. Most of them work don't work Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I think that's by the way one big thing. Like in thinking about now in in Europe and also in America. In one hand, f- things are moving faster in chaos, but on other on the other hand, on, when you go here on Friday, things really slow down for everyone. Basically, and you can feel really more like okay, weekend and weekday. There's just a noticeable difference. There's really noticeable difference. Even for myself, it's like, okay, let's take a rest a bit. Yeah. I think company and business is a very fast, it's one way of learning a lot about yourself. No, for sure. I think trust the process I've also learned. Like things will work out basically. What do you mean when you say trust the process? I think the one, now that I think about the one thing that's like, if shit goes downhill, uphill, doesn't really affect you as much anymore. Like normally you maybe like 
have sleepless night or anything like that. But now it's like, okay, this happened. Tomorrow we'll have a new day. We'll go after it again. And even in my daily life, sometimes good and bad, when I'm with my girlfriend or something, like something happens, like it's hard to really like say, oh, I can... Nothing really like makes me really... Uh, keeps me whole awake at night basically do you think that's because of being in israel or what do you think that's because i think it's mainly because of just being a founder of a company there's all the ups and downs like someday you know it as well some days you feel like, okay i'm gonna we're gonna ipo the other day you think we're gonna go downhill yeah what's your dream now my dream is really to build riverside of impact have really impact of riverside inspire the world of conversations is the vision of us and uh we really had to think purposely whether we're going to do Riverside because we, we were making quite some money before any funding. If we're going to go the VC route, what do we really want? So, and we will really want to uh, have impact in the world. Even having a conversation like this is important for me so I can, so I can shed light on Israel and, and show a different perspective. So very meaningful for me. And uh, if we can keep inspiring the world of conversations, it will be amazing. Ideally, I, we have really a platform that millions of people use. The other thing, just to finish, uh, that I really, I really like that you said is just like follow your curiosity, follow your, you know, mission driven but like purpose. The things you're like, yo, I really enjoy debates, and you're like, I know we weren't having a bunch of traction. We had some, but I just liked the debate. Right. You liked the conversation. Right. You liked the hummus. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I think you, there's all these frameworks nowadays. This, but there's no frameworks. That, so for some people, this might work if you're a genius, but. The high chance of success is just scratch your own itch. 100% agree. Sweet. <laughs> Nadav Kison, Riverside.fm. That is a wrap. I hope you love the episode as much as we did recording it and producing it for you. Check out Riverside.fm for all your podcast and video recording needs. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's go record a podcast together. And before you go, tweet at me, Instagram me, TikTok me, whatever me, at Noah Kagan. I think a few of you have actually done it, and I love hearing from you, at Noah Kagan. Also, go subscribe to my newsletter at sendfox.com slash Noah. I put out an exclusive email each and every week on Wednesdays. Make sure you subscribe, sendfox.com slash Noah. And create your own newsletter. Build up your own community and audience. Build your own business. Sendfox.com. It's free. Finally, a couple shout outs to the amazing team who do a lot of magic that y'all don't see, but it's so damn good. Thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com for making these podcasts sound so fresh. Nice having dinner with you in Spain a few months ago. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, George, Cam, Sasa, Nikki, and Jen from the Dork Team for all the magic y'all do. And finally, a shout out to Frank, Lindsay, Max, Luke, Nick, Sarah, Beth, and everyone involved at AppSumo doing customer research interviews. So amazing. Talking to our customers, chatting with our partners, seeing what their problems are, and seeing how we can help them a lot more. I love y'all and love every one of our AppSumo.com customers. Have a wonderful day. What's your favorite island in the world?